And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. It is Thursday, January 20th, around 2 p.m. And today's show, we have a special guest, a guy that uh, I was hoping to get on much earlier than this, but we both are very busy guys. Uh, but he's much more important than I am to the University of Miami cause. That's for damn sure. He helped bring uh, Mario Cristobal and Dan Radakovich. Uh, to South Florida. I'm speaking, of course, of Rudy Fernandez, chief of staff for uh, President Julio Frank. A lot of titles for you, Rudy. Can, can you give us all, all of them so that the listeners are familiar with everything you do, man? <laughs> Listen, Manny, at, at, at my heart, I'm a 10-year-old kid that grew up going to games at the Orange Bowl and bleeds the orange and green. I am notorious. Like, if you talk to people that work closely with me, friends, family, uh, I am notorious for being in a very dark mood after hurricane losses. And people, some people that don't know me well think, well, that's because he's an officer at the university. It has nothing to do with the fact that I work at UM. Uh, it's, it has everything to do with the fact that I was 10 years old when I arrived in, in our hometown here of Miami. Uh, and I arrived here in 1983, as I think you and I have discussed in the past. Yeah. And, and I grew up... Uh, you know, where the Canes were competing, we're in the national title conversation year in and year out. And I know the power that the Canes uh, brand has in this community. And uh, obviously the fact that I've been at the university for, for now 15 years in the senior administration and I'm chief of staff to the president has put me in a position to do something about the, the direction of our program. But I'm a, I'm a Canes fan at heart. Well, I, well, you and I talked about this long time ago, how much you love the U. Uh, we, we both grew up in this city watching this program thrive, win championships, and we both agreed something had to be done, right? We, we needed to get the program back to those days after what the last couple of decades have been like. And you and uh, Joy Cheveria and a whole lot of other people working behind the scenes, I thought, executed something that I never would have imagined. And that was the University of Miami spending money on football to get it to where it needed to be, that process alone deserves its own book, right? Of, of how, <laughs> how you guys were able to, to get President Frank and everybody on board to agree, hey, this is something we got to invest in. I know President Frank, obviously uh, running, running the show over there, knew, hey, something had to be done, but he put you and Joe in, in charge to essentially get things right. Um, the whole process, when you look back at it now, we're, we're a month removed from, from Mario and, and, and Dan Radakovich being put in place. When you think back to what those couple months were like, what, what's the best way to describe it from your point of view? So it was a very intense period of time, and we were very uh, focused on the, on the mission. And the mission was to, to really elevate the, uh, the direction and the trajectory of the program. Uh, one thing that I've reflected a lot on over the last several months is, is the fact that um, when you have an emotional connection 
to a community uh, and you own a share of, of, of people's heart, that's something that you got to nurture, you got to foster, you got to invest in. Um, I, as, as a huge sports fan and as someone that's, that's proud to call Miami home, ha- have thought about that for a while. I've been thinking about this for years. I believe that the darkest, um, lo- the darkest loss, the, 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 the worst loss in the history of their program was our loss to our sister institution here in South Florida. When we lost to FIU uh, a couple of years ago uh, on, on what I consider to be sacred ground, uh, you know, the Orange Bowl grounds. Um, it was a home game for FIU. Uh, you know, FIU has five, time the, five times the number of students that Miami does. And yet, and we're playing very poorly. You remember the game, I'm sure you were there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, if you remember, even in that second half, we were playing very poorly. Uh, it was a home game for FIU. FIU has more alumni. And yet 80% of the fans in the, in, in the stands were cheering for Miami. So sometimes during your darkest hour, you, you gain great clarity. You're able to see things really clearly. And I, I've, I've thought about that game for a long time. And I said, wow, we still own a share of people's hearts. It is important that that's not going to be the case forever. If we don't, if we don't take this, uh, if we don't invest in, in the, in the program. Um, and, 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 and so that, that was a thought in the back of my mind as we're working uh, on this, as I was advising President Frank and, and the key board leaders on this topic. And, and obviously, there were two principles, and I've discussed them with, with you in the past, that, that guided every one of our decisions. Principle one is that when you recruit a student athlete to the University of Miami, uh, you owe that student athlete two things. Uh, the, a great education, number one. And then the second thing is the ability to develop their, their special talent. And in the case of a talented musician that we recruit to the Frost School of Music, their special talent is, is, you know, maybe playing the violin. Well, what does that student deserve? They deserve the best faculty members, great recital halls, and great practice rooms to, to practice their craft and develop their craft. It is no different with a football player. When you recruit a top, a talented wide receiver or defensive back, that, that kid wants a good education, and we owe them a, a great education at the University of Miami, but you also owe them the best available coaching, the best available resources. You, you, you owe it to them to put them in positions to succeed, both in the classroom and on the playing field. And that guided every one of our decisions during a, an intense period of time. The, the interesting thing now, obviously, as we as we move forward and Mario's out recruiting, he's looking for offensive and defensive coordinator. He's in the midst of all this with he knows he can spend a lot of money because you guys gave him that backing. Um, the, the interesting thing in all this is NIL, right? Like the way that shapes so many kids decisions nowadays. And you guys here in Florida, I, I spoke with Alex Arnott, who's one of your University of Miami grads who's a lawyer here in South Florida, and he does a lot of these NIL deals. I don't think the general public realizes how different the rules are in different states and how that affects here in Florida. Of course, you guys are not allowed permitted to, to sort of be involved in the NIL process as far as making deals, you know, between the players and, and um, you know, the companies that, that want to come and sponsor, you know, players. Um, so that makes it challenging, right? Um, at Georgia, for instance, there are no rules in Alabama. There's a lot less legislation on it, but that aspect of it, um, Rudy, you're a very smart guy. You're a Harvard guy. 
when you look at that and, and the way moving forward, how UM is going to be successful, you know, at that process, because NIL matters. That's where a lot of these kids, the recruits, the high school recruits, even though they're not supposed to be talking about NIL, right? Until they get to college, let's face it. They're looking at what these kids are getting at certain schools. Um, from the University of Miami perspective, as the chief of staff, how do you view NIL and the role that that plays going forward and, and what you guys can do ultimately or, or, or can't do to help this process improve for Miami? Well, look, Florida, and you, you alluded to it, Manny, uh, Florida was one of 14 or 15 states that tried to do the right thing at the, at the very onset of this. And this is all very new. I mean, two years ago, there were, there were no NIL deals, right? So, so right. you got you to remind your listeners that, of that. Um, but Florida tried to do the right thing, expecting that the, that the other states would follow and that the federal government would enact legislation that would even the playing field. Uh, anytime that you expect the, the federal government to uh, to solve your issue, and I say this as someone that spent eight years in Washington <laughs> D.C., boy, you're 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 off for a for a very uh, bitter pill or bitter surprise, right? Uh, so so Florida was one of 15 states that passed legislation. 34, 35 states did not pass any legislation, and the NCAA, unfortunately, took the no, no surprise here. Took the position that. Uh, that if if the um, if your state passed legislation, follow your state's law. If your state did not pass legislation, you can make up your own rules. So that, needless to say, puts the 15 states that try to do the right thing at a competitive disadvantage. Uh, I believe that Florida is going to correct that this this year. Obviously, it's in the best interest of all the the institutions that are that that that, that are doing their best to field competitive programs for the state of Florida to amend that law. And I, I believe that that's going to happen. And I think Miami, look, this is, this is, um, you know, we, we live in a very vibrant town uh, in a, in a community that's uh, you know, that where there are a lot of, you know, powerful business players that, that are going to step up and, and uh, while the university cannot be involved in it, I believe uh, we hurricane nation is going to step up and, and uh, and uh, and 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 produce deals that will uh, benefit our student athletes. Well, I will tell you, I, I participated in a couple of these Twitter spaces uh, during the week. Call me crazy. I probably shouldn't be doing it, but there's but, but they're wild. I don't know if you've snuck in there to see what's what's been going on in those Twitter spaces. I, I listened to a couple of them for about ten or fifteen minutes yesterday. I was watching the heat game. Yes, and uh, and and there was one going on, and I listened to it for about fifteen minutes, and it was. Uh, it was entertaining to, uh, to, to, to say the least. Uh, uh, so, yeah. And, but look, I, I, once again, I'm always, a, I'm a glass, the glass is half full always. That's yes. my, my way to approach life. Right. And um, the passion, the fact that they were in the one yesterday, at one point they were like almost a thousand people in the, in the space. Yes. And the, the one the night before there were, there were more. Right. right. And, and the fact that people are at 10 PM at night jumping on these things to discuss Kane's football. I, I think it's a very positive sign of the, the, the power of our brand, right? Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely is. And it also, you know, unfortunately, because of, I think, media bias in the past, I will say that as a member of the media, anytime Miami gets involved in NIL or any sort of deal where players are getting paid or being accused of being paid right back in the old days when, when, when things like that were being said, there's, there's a huge spotlight put on Miami. Right. Um, and Darren Ravel, who is a, a national reporter 
uh, used to work for ESPN. He's, he's followed this very closely, right? Uh, the deals, the NIL deals that are being put out. And, you know, he said some things about one of, uh, you know, the boosters who was doing these NILs, John Reese, that sort of made him look, you know, like he wasn't following the rules or breaking rules or bending rules. Uh, look, the bottom line is, uh, Mr. Reese, from my understanding is, he, he's doing everything he has to do, right? Going through the proper channels at Miami to get these NIL deals approved. And I'm sure, you know, you guys look at this from afar because you can't be involved, but you look at this and you do your due diligence yourself as a school, right? I mean, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I am a big believer in, uh, in the fact that Miami will always have a huge spotlight on us. And it's, it goes beyond the University of Miami, by the way. It's, it's about the Miami community. That's true. It's, the, it's, it's the history of our young, vibrant community. And we have, so we have to cross every T and dot every I. Right. Um, I, I find it interesting. And I'll, you know, the, you know, uh, the, the, the former ESPN reporter that you alluded to, yes. you know, was, was making a lot of noise about, you know, what our, what our local booster uh, is reportedly doing. And yet, you know, when Bryce Young, you know, got a, got a deal, when Nick Saban took to, uh, to, to, to speaking about it publicly, the fact that, that Bryce Young, before he took a snap, this past season, I already had a million dollars in NIL deals, which is 20 times what's reportedly being given by this particular booster to TVD. Right. Right. Uh, you know, no one was no one was saying, oh, this, you know, this is preposterous. No one was criticizing Alabama. Right. So there's always this there is a national media bias against our community. And, and we, it is what it is. And we have to work through it. But for, for, for the people listening to this podcast and, and skeptical reporters like me who always have to ask questions, right? That's what I get paid to do. I got to yes. go to I got to go to you. I got to go to Mr. Reese and say, hey, what's what's the deal here? Is this legit? Can you say cleanly or, or, or not cleanly is, is maybe the right phrase, but uh, positively that the, yeah, that everything with Reese so far has been spot on, that there's there, that all these deals that he's making are legal and, and legit. Look, I, I, that's a question for John Ruiz, right? Because we're right. not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not involved in any, in any way whatsoever. So, so that's a question for him, but he's a, you know, very respected lawyer and he's got a team of lawyers from, from what I read and, 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 and read on social media. And, and, uh, he, he's a, he's a smart, successful, su successful guy. You know, I, I have faith that they're going to do everything right. Okay. Um, and now, obviously, he's got a lot of different tentacles that he's that he has that he's putting out there. Right. He's talked he's talked about the stadium thing for a while. Miami fans thinking, wow, you know, is he really going to build them a stadium? Uh, we, we all know that Coral Gables is a very tight, small area, probably can't fit a stadium nearby campus or on campus. But Tropical Park is another location. I know you guys are signing to the lease at Hard Rock uh, for the next 11 years, but. Has there been any conversations at any point between you guys and Mr. Ruiz yet about stadiums? And do you think it's something feasible down the road? We, we, I, I have not had any direct conversations with, with uh, Mr. Ruiz about it. Uh, we have 11 years left at Hard Rock. I think if you sit down and, and you've had the opportunity to meet him and, and interview him, you sit down with our new athletic director, Dan Radakovich, he would tell you, that you know we have more important needs right we we have more important needs the 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 uh, that hecht athletic center uh which is the the historic home of um athletics is a building that that probably needs to be renovated or, or we're going to need a new home for 
for the for athletics and for and for and, and for for football, right? Offices, space for our student athletes. You know, if you talk to Coach Cristobal, redoing the, the the locker room and the and the weight room uh, on campus is is a major priority for him. So the stadium would 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 it be great in an ideal world to have a stadium closer to campus? Absolutely. I you know I I uh, I believe that, and 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 Radikovic would tell you the same thing. But we got to prioritize our, you know, what, what's 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 most important right now. And there's there's things that are higher up the list of in terms of facility needs. There are there are things that both Mario and and Dan will tell you are more important. They're telling me as the guy that that continues to be involved to make sure that the university provides the resources necessary for them to to be successful. I I speak to 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 Dan on a daily basis, and he would tell you there there's things that are higher up in the priority. And one of the exciting things about Dan, I mean, people, obviously, I, I was, you know, thrilled to land Mario Cristobal and bring him back home. Um, and uh, so I, I was, uh, you know, I, I mean, it was it was a major accomplishment to bring Mario back. But the Dan Radakovich hire is just as important because he's a guy, you know, when you're when you're and I come from the, the world of national politics and, and the world of business by, you know, Joe Echevarria is a very talented uh, business executive that's been at the top of a fortune 500 consulting firm uh, and is on the board of prominent fortune 500 companies. When we were looking at this, Manny, um, you know, you, when you look at any, at any business or any major division within the university, you look at, you, you look at the leadership, you look at the top and you know, you need to have the right leader at the very top. So while we all respected and appreciated, uh, you know, Blake James, you know, after nine years, it was evident to Julio Frank that we needed to, to, to make it, to make a change that we needed a fresh set of eyes. And we were thrilled to bring someone of Dan's experience and someone that's been around greatness. Like he spent a decade working hand in hand with Davos Sweeney to build a very successful Clemson program. Uh, you know, he was the athletic director at Georgia Tech before that. And he, earlier in his career, was at LSU and, and got an opportunity to work with Nick Saban. So he's seen it built. He knows he's got a, a blueprint for how you build a major uh, athletic program that's going to compete year in and year out for, for, for championships and for titles. And, and that was a very important hire. And, and you remember, you and I had conversations. Yeah. And I told you, hey, yeah, you know, we're moving both of these things at the same time, because we had to, that was, that were the, the, those were the circumstances, but I was just as focused on the AD hire as I was on the, on the coaching chain. Yeah. no, I agree with you. And I think people, people underestimate how important those things are, especially like you said, you guys are focused on growing, improving the facility still. And and part of the money that is going to be spent on football is to help in in those other areas. It's not just staff uh, personnel, um, I know from talking to Mario, you know, he's very excited. I mean, this, this staff, how, how many people do you think ultimately will be as far as analysts? Is that, is that a conversation at all that he came to you in the beginning and said, Hey, I need X amount of people on the staff outside of the 10 assistant coaches. And, and, you know, what kind of advantages do you think that, that gives you? So, 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 so it was clear one I mean, Joe and I took a, we got the assignment from president Frank. We did a deep dive in athletics. So I spent two months where I was working 15, 16 hours a day, sort of consuming as much data as was humanly possible to yeah. understand the business of athletics. I'm thrilled that, uh, that Dan is here now so I could go back and focus on <laughs> other areas of the university. But, but one thing that was obvious to us is where we, where we were not 
let's compare us to Clemson because we we happen to to have a lot of information on on Clemson too. Right now that we have Dan here, you know the the assistant coach coach pool, you know under Mark Richt and under Manny Diaz, you know they they did a good job of elevating the quality of assistants and the and the uh, salary pool for assistants. So as, as you remember me telling you a couple of months ago, the the pool for assistants. Even before Mario, it was you know we had the second highest paid uh, salary pool for assistant in the ACC, right? Right. Um, you know where we were very deficient was in the, all the support staff that it that is required to be successful. And I'll give you an example that I learned just you know uh, as as we did this deep dive. Um, there is um, you know the support staff around football, not just the analysts, and, and I know that the analysts get a lot of attention and. and and media attention, the number of analysts in places like Alabama and so forth. But there's a, a position group within the support staff where they call, call player development staff. And then the player development staff are full-time you know, staff that's making sure that, that that's supporting the student athletes in their whole life as student athletes, making sure that, that it ha- they have to go do physical training. They're getting the physical training necessary that their, you know, nutrition is, is, is what it should be, that they're attending, you know, keeping up with their coursework, that if they need tutoring, they're getting the right tutoring, et cetera. And, and at, uh, at, at, my aunt, at Clemson, you know, you know I, I, uh, I learned during this process that at Clemson, there's 12 full-time, you know, player development personnel, all right? So 12, 12 full-time staffers that work, to manage the roughly, when you look at walk-ons and scholarship players, you know, any one of these teams will have between 120 and 130 full-time athletes, right? So you had 12, a ratio, a ratio, a ratio of uh, one, per, one development staffer per 10 players, right? Well, you know, I come to find out as, as Joe and I are doing this deep dive <laughs> that Miami had one person to Clemson's 12th. Wow. So one person was responsible for managing the lives of 120 something kids. That's, you know, that, that quickly, that that's one example I could give you others, but that's one example that, 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 that tells you Miami was at a disadvantage. And, uh, and one thing that Julio intuitively, and, and, and I give a lot of credit, credit to president Frank uh, for this, he and, and the key board members that were involved in driving these decisions, you know, made, made the important decision that look, if, if, if we're going to be in the business of football, now, we, we need to be competitive. We, we should we should put our best foot forward. And 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 we owe it to the to our kids, to our student athletes when you recruit them to uh to to put them in positions to succeed. So that that was something that we needed to address. So did we get to 12? Did we did we catch Clemson or did we pass them? M- Mario, Mario in, in the, the very intense weekend uh where we you know we started talking to him that Saturday morning and we got the deal done that weekend, you know, made it very clear. You know that that in terms of support staff, budget for recruiting, you know, and you know all, all the all the things that he would need, you know, in order to be successful here, and and you know he's here because he got the right answers from from me and <laughs> and, and the and the and the couple of trustees that were involved in the conversations. Yeah, and 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 it, you can see you can hear the enthusiasm in his voice when I when I talked to him earlier that he's going to get everything he needs. He's just taking his time. He's being very deliberate and in his interview process because he wants to get this thing right. And I know there's been premature reports out there about guys getting offers and uh, you know, stuff, stuff like that. But 
does he talk to you much? Is that conversation just with him and Dan? You, you talk to Dan every single day. When you, do you guys talk about the search process at all? And 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 do you do you you know I don't know what, we, what do you we, tell we've me? talked we've we've talked a, a couple of times you know since since the press conference where we unveiled him. But mm-hmm. my role here is to he, he is the football you know he is the the football expert. And, and we are, you know, we believe we got one of the best two or three recruiters in the country and one of the you know top five to 10 coaches in the country. So I put my faith in him. I'm not, I, I don't believe in micromanagement. Neither does president Frank. I, I talked to, I mean, I, so I've talked to Mario a couple of times, uh, but I, uh, I don't get in the weeds. Uh, I talked to Dan a lot more. I mean, Dan and I will speak a couple of times a day and, and it's conversations that should happen because the athletic director is an administrator. He talks to his coaches. And then when he needs there's issues to be brought up to to the office of the president, he'll he'll call me. What are you, um, the fan, most excited about for this coming season? I'm not talking, hey, giving resources to Mario. I'm talking about football wise. When you look at the roster and ask Rudy Fernandez, what are you excited about? What gets you going? <laughs> Listen, I, I can't, you know, for one, I, I got to tell you, and I, I'm the chief communications <laughs> officer for the university, right? Yes. That's part of my, I'm, in addition to being chief of staff, I'm the senior vice president for communications and, and public affairs. You know, I, I think, I, you know, you got to prepare, always prepare to win, be prepared to win. Cause if, you know, when you win, you know, pre- preparation is, 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 is key to winning. You know, I, I'm the fan in me and the communicator in me, is beginning to prepare for an exciting year from Tyler Van Dyke, right? So, so the, the, the institution, if Tyler gets off to the start, uh, if he if he starts the season the way he ended the season, I think we're going to be in for a very very fun year, and it's a year where the University of Miami will put resources to make sure that he has what it's needed from a marketing perspective to maximize his his opportunities. Obviously, I want the team to be successful, but we also want our individual student athletes to be very successful. And I'm yeah. not going to jinx them by, <laughs> by 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 mentioning the exact word that's in, that comes yes. to mind. Yes. But you know what I'm, but you know what I'm thinking about. I could say it, but I don't want to jinx them either. I talked to Tyler the other day, and I don't. I like Tyler a lot, and I told him I said I won't bring it up if you don't bring it up. You know, we'll just keep it. We'll keep it quiet. You know. No, but, but he he is he's a cool <laughs> cost, customer. By the way, you you've seen him like I've seen him. I've, I've seen him up close. Without pads, yes, you know the guy has that Ben Roethlisberger build to him, right? Like he, he, he is not just six four, and and has a tremendous arm, but he is, you know, he is, he's got a, you know, he's athletic. He's 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 got size to him. You yeah. know, I, I I know that I would have trouble bringing him down, but then again, I'm 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 <laughs> I, I, I am slow and and approaching fifty, so I uh, <laughs> it would be unfair. Um. One aspect to this story that kind of I don't think we've really talked about much since Mario was hired was the former players. You know, obviously they were very vocal in the in the time before Mario got hired. I went to a couple of these events, um, you know, guys like Melvin Bratton, um, every everybody was there. Lamar Thomas, um, I think they wanted to sort of improve the relationship with the university, feel like they're more involved in helping. I know there are a couple of guys saying they wanted positions at the school anything uh, along those lines because that all that stuff kind of disappeared after Mario guy everybody went to work but I'm curious is there anything on that front you could share with us well once again those are at this point those are Mario decisions okay and and I obviously I I know he you know he is a an alumnus proud alumnus of the program and, and no one's better connected to that community than Mario 
but I, I, from the administration perspective, I'll tell you, I've always been a big believer that those guys have earned the right to be heard and for their voices to be heard and their concerns to be heard. And that's the approach that I took once I got directly involved in this. So I had the, the privilege and I, and I say it, uh, you know, g- the genuine privilege of, of getting to know a lot of those guys, the Ed Reeds, the Gino Toretta's, the Alonso Mornings, you know, you probably connected me to, you know, a guy that I, that, that I, I befriended <laughs> and I, I want to run him for office. You know, I want to run Joaquin Gonzalez for office. I know he's doing really well on the business sector, but he has a, a natural understanding of the Miami community that uh, that I would you know I worked in politics he, he you know he 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 would I would put him up against anybody Joaquin is a terrific personality and a terrific guy <laughs> and I enjoy getting his thoughts on it obviously he was um, a lot of those conversations during those weeks were and you had some of them with me yes. were, were were one directional right because I would listen <laughs> and get feedback and I would not be able to 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 say a whole lot but as so Joaquin and I have one um uh, at the at the uh, you know a, a week or so before we announced Cristobal and Radakovich, and Joaquin was you know obviously you know he said he he thinks the world of Mario, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, and he thinks the world of Mirabal. Yes. You know? And by the way, you got you got one of the best you know one of my my my, my favorite stories over the recent weeks, and I consume a lot of sports information. But was your story your interview of Alex Mirabal where he said? He would rather, you know, cut his arms and cut his legs off before anyone says the offensive lineman, the offensive line at the University of Miami is a weakness. Yes. You know, obviously it's you know, some people actually, when I retweeted it and said, yes, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. I got some people that were critical of, oh, how could you say that, Rudy, et cetera. And I said, listen, he's, he's not he's not being literal. Right. But I like his I like his attitude. I like I like his attitude. I'm uh and obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this season. Can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, the commitment is very, very real. That was one of my favorite interviews of the year so far with, with Mirabal. Um, I love it when these guys, you know, the personality part of this all, I think back to the 80s and 90s. And I just, part of what made Miami so special was the fact that these guys enjoyed winning and they, and they shared it with the crowd, right? They would jump in the stands. I'm not saying that went away in the last 15 to 20 years, but certainly as a journalist, as a writer, man, I, I, I miss those days when, when, when we got some personality out of these guys. And I think that's a very important part to marketing to the fan base again, Rudy. Um, I don't know what ways you guys, you know, help it get back to that level, but winning obviously helps. But I, but I think also, you know, these kids, some of these guys have great personalities, great stories. The coaches have great personalities, great stories. And I think that's what made Miami such a fun team to root for and to follow in the 80s and 90s. And I think getting back to that one way or another, whether it's through marketing, as you mentioned with Tyler Van Dyke, whether it's autographs, whatever it is that we can do. And I know we're still in the COVID era. We haven't gotten past COVID. But I, I, I think, my opinion, I would love to see more of that, you know, again. Yeah, I, it's, it's supposed to. We forget that sports is supposed to be fun. Right. You know, and, and you have to, to allow... You know, you have to allow this 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 kids to to express themselves. You know, within some, you know, they they they, they got to respect the opposition, but but they they should they should be allowed to express themselves. And I think what, what makes sports compelling is when you get to know the players. I, I think that's what I like about college football. That, that's why I, I always like I'm, I'm closer to college football than to professional sports because with college, 
you know, I, I'll read the stories on the recruits and, you know, you know, you, you started reading about Trajan Bandy when he was a, at Columbus, right? And you followed mm-hmm. him at Columbus and, you know, he was a four-star recruit and he picked us. So by the time he arrived on our campus, you know, you, 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 we, we all as, as fans had, had known about the kid for years, right? So it's, it's great to, when he intercepts that pass, you know, right before the half against Notre Dame, we were all, you know, we all felt like we were part of Trajan's extended family, right? I think that's what makes college sports compelling. We can't lose that. And, and frankly, as a university, we had to do a better job to, to highlight those personal stories because that, that's what makes sports compelling. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it. I, I know all of this is going to be much, uh, much more exciting here. Right? You can just sense it. You feel it in the air with Mario and, and the program and everything you guys have done. Um, basketball, I can't ignore that. Uh, this start that they have, man, 14 and four. I know when, when uh, President Frank put you and Joe in charge of evaluating, I guess, the entire athletic program, right? It wasn't just football. It was everything you, yes. guys, you guys were studying. Yes. Uh, you know, it had been three rough years in a row for the basketball team for various reasons, the FBI investigation that hurt, hurt the program, all the things that, but, but coach Larinaga, you told me when we had a talk, you said, Hey, no doubt in my mind, that guy's the right coach. And he's, he's proven to be the right coach again. Um, what do you say about that? The basketball team and the fact that they're 14 and four and, and number one right now in the ACC. I, I can't wait to travel to a tournament site, you know, and, <laughs> and, and go on the, on the tournament ride with them. I have a lot of Jim. Jim has become a friend of mine over the years. So has Chris Caputo, who's his main deputy, as, as you know. Uh, they're a very talented coaching staff. Uh, they, um, one of the things that I, you know, I, I may not be an X's and O's guy, right, or a basketball expert, but I trust my eyes, right? And I look and I, and I follow you in basketball very closely as well. And when you, players are developed under Jim Laranega's coaching staff, like if you look at a guy like uh, like Sam, right, who had a great game against UNC, the warden, right? The warden, yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Sa- <laughs> Sam, Sam had a phenomenal game against UNC. I-, I had the opportunity to travel to see him play at Cameron Indoor, and he went toe to toe with a guy that's projected to be one of the first three picks in the NBA draft next year, and he held his own. You know, Sam as a freshman and sophomore was a very different player than what he is today, right? So so that's a credit to the coaching staff and to the kids' hard work, right? But but he is, I mean, and you see it. You see it, uh, you know, with, with a number of players that have played uh, for Jim here at Miami. He develops talent. He, he develops talent, and, he, and he, he gets the most out of his players. I think this is a very fun team to watch. I hope that, that the fans uh, turn out to, to Watsko to see them play the Seminoles on Saturday. Uh, I, I think this is a lot of fun and, and the potential for basketball, for baseball, for women's basketball. I mean, I, I think the future of UM athletics is exciting. The reason that, by the way, I, I got to highlight something that's important because there's a lot of the national media, um, you know, has, has a tried to at times been pushing this narrative as to how, you know, how is it that UM all of a sudden is making all these big investments? Yes. Well, it, you know, so let me let me address that for a second. Um, and because you and I have discussed it privately, but I want to do it here in the podcast. You know, we took a deep dive at the at the at the finan- at the financials of athletics, and the, the financials of football specifically. Football at the University of Miami last year, before a half-empty stadium, still made substantial revenues for football, were significantly greater than expenses for football. 
All right. You know, and it wasn't even, it wasn't close. It was substantially more revenues than, um, than expenses. You know, when Joe and I took a look at the numbers and we ran projections and in, 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 in business, we did a business analysis and said, look, if we stay the course, you know, and, and we continue selling a half empty stadium or worse, given the anger from the fan base, what can we project in terms of revenues? And if we bring in a coach, a coaching staff that's exciting, what can we project in terms of revenues? And trust me, because I'm, I, I, uh, I uh, trust me when I tell you that that the investments that we're making will more than be covered by the the expected increase in revenue. That's I mean, so we're it's we're not spending money, we're investing money in athletics, and you need to do that. You need to invest the money in football specifically because football at UM and at every major program across the country needs to make a ton of money in order to subsidize the other sports. Because yeah. think about it. You've covered UM for a while. You've been around our program for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, football makes money. If you go to a basketball basketball game, men or women, there's a ticket price. You got to this. So there is some revenue coming in, you know, but, 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 uh, but basketball in good years will make a little money or break even on bad years. It, you know, it, you know, um, Revenue is not enough to cover expenses. Uh, but the other sports, when you show up to a soccer game or a volleyball game or, you know, base, baseball has revenue, but there's 13 or 14 of the 17 sports don't have a dollar of revenue. So they have, they're have they 100% subsidized. Right. You know, who are they subsidized by? Football. And if football can't cover the entire subsidy, then the university needs to kick in some money. So football needs to make more money in order to subsidize the other sports. That's the reality of major college athletics. And that, and that's why you guys invested so heavily in it. And also as you, as you and I discussed months ago, the, the brand that that's important for the entire school, not just the athletic department, but everything that, that, that the school represents the, the hospital, uh, everything else, the other colleges, right. I mean, that ultimately was, was, I think the, the ultimate motivating factor, right. That the brand has to be strong. The, 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 yes, the, the, the two motivating factors were one, we owe it to the student athletes to, to put them in positions to succeed. Right. And two, yeah, this is this is also an investment in the brand and the com- and community life at the university. But you have to you have to have a winning product uh, and you have to have a successful football program in order to to be in the, the, the world of intercollegiate athletics period. You know, the decision you could you could decide, oh, I'm not gonna invest in football. All right, if you're not gonna invest in football, you probably have to close down athletics altogether because then you couldn't afford to do any, any of the other sports. Mm. And that affects the character. I think, I think most reasonable people will tell you, you know, uh, you know, off, off, you know, the sports in, in a major college atmosphere are, are part of student life and other students, you know, I, I didn't play sports in college and I, and I enjoyed and, and got a lot of, out of, out of that. You didn't, I don't, I don't think you, you played, you, were you a college athlete? I was not a college athlete, but I was a high school athlete and I loved college sports. I love following. And you love college sports and you felt, you felt that was part of the fabric of the experience. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, that was, I mean, we, we fought a lot long and hard about these decisions and, and president Frank, who's, who's, who's very thoughtful. And, and the great thing about Julio, and I, I got to say this, I think I said it to you privately, but it's worth underscoring mm-hmm. is that Julio uh, you know, knows what he knows and he knows what he doesn't know. And he is confident enough as a president to take advice when he, when he, re- from people that he believes know the area well. So, so what, what, what happened 
uh, in December would not have happened five years ago or 10 years ago at the University of Miami. Right. No, it, it took a leader willing to make these these investments, as you called them. And one other thing, you know, you brought up the, the national narrative and everything just to make sure we touch on it. But, you know, we talked about the profits, right, that, that the medical school was able to make. And I think a lot of people took it as, oh, they're using all this money from the medical school and putting it into sports. And that's not right. And that's not ethical. But the reality is people don't understand the financials of a university. And yes, there were profits made, but that but this money comes from a lot of different places. Ultimately, the money that we're making on the healthcare system is being reinvested in healthcare. You know, we're about to build a new building for the Sylvester Cancer Center, a right. new research building at Sylvester. We're building a, an outpatient facility to bring our, our healthcare services to the Doral area. We're building another outpatient facility in uh, in North Miami and North Miami Beach. I mean, the amount of of, of, of healthcare uh, revenue that you need to generate in order to keep up with the investments that are required in technology and in medical research and in facilities is crazy. Anyone that tells that, that, that believes that narrative that was pushed out by the USA today, it, it, not, not only they don't understand athletics and the, the fact that football makes money and they don't understand healthcare and how capital intensive healthcare is. So we need every single dollar produced by a healthcare system to be reinvested in healthcare in order to remain competitive. And that's, and that's the way we approach it. Yeah. Rudy, you've given me so much time. It's been a fun uh, catch up. Are you going to come back or, or do I do that? I, did I do good enough to bring you back on the podcast down the road? Or what? You, you, you have been great. You have been great. <laughs> and and I, I am always happy. My only request, and I know he's listening because, you know, he likes to, he, he likes to give you a hard, a hard time, you know, and, and goat you on on Twitter, but uh, you know the next time I got to do one with Kel- with you and Kelvin Harris. Okay, that, gonna, that is that is that is my request. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that he joins me. He he right now he enjoys trashing me on Twitter and every you know it's kind of like a WWE match. Everybody believes that 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 he's feuding with me, but it's just good old fun, two guys. No, I, I know he's a huge fan of yours. I know he's a huge <laughs> fan of yours, and he he has tremendous respect for you, and 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 so do and so do I. Kelvin's a good man. Uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to our podcast. Perhaps we should do it right before the season starts because we, you know, he'll give his predictable 15 and 0 prediction, right. you know, for the upcoming <laughs> season. I, I am almost as big a homer as, as he is. So I'll probably go 14 and 1. Right. And you will bring us back to reality. <laughs> I'll try my best. I try to keep you guys, you know, I try to represent. Hey, listen, there's some good teams in the ACC. I know everybody always craps on the ACC and says, oh, this is a terrible. Hey, there were some good teams this year, man. Let's not forget that. And and they always are competitive. And 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 listen, Texas A&M, that's not an easy game next year. Well, we have two ro- tough ro- road games that I plan right. to attend both. Uh, at Clemson. Right. Right. And at Texas A&M. Those are two tough games. Those are two tough games. Absolutely. But listen, Saturday, the sport, you know, the, 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 our, our, our 2022 season in, in, in athletics really begins on Saturday when we give payback to the Seminoles in basketball and then tell all your Tallahassee friends, all your Seminole friends, payback in basketball on basketball happens on Saturday and we're waiting for them at Hard Rock, uh, you know, next, next, next season. Eight in a row in the series. This has to come to an end, right? We got to We got to put this uh, nip this thing in the boat with Leonard Hamilton. He's got yes. our number. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think, I think this Saturday is going to happen. I have great faith, great, great faith in, uh, in Charlie Moore as point guard and in the rest of the team. 
Yes, very good players. Rudy, it was a pleasure. Before you go, tell us who the OC in D.C. is going to be. Come on, give us the insight. <laughs> you know, Kelvin Harris and Manny Navarro, you know, OC and D.C. That's there the combination. Go. I'm, I'm going to put him, you know, since he's an offensive lineman, he'll run the offense and you'll be the defensive coordinator. All right, I will do my best. I will try to take over and do a good job. Lots of fun, man. Thank you so much. Great chatting with you. Be good. You too. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.